Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, going to be going big picture today on this podcast. Going to have 24-7 sports college football expert and analyst Josh Pate join the show. Josh does a really good job with his YouTube show, his podcast, all things college football. Um, I think he provides some nice big picture insight in terms of where Miami's at going into year three of the Manny Diaz era. Uh, maybe what should be expected of the Hurricanes in 2021, what should be expected of of the two biggest games on the schedule in 2021 in Alabama and North Carolina. He also gives some interesting perspective on what he thinks maybe Miami slash the ACC should do in this whole conference realignment deal that is going on right now in the landscape of college football. But before we get into that, have to remind you guys about our home field apparel deal we are offering at insidetheu.com. So for people that are unaware, home field apparel is a vintage college sports uh, brand that goes through the archives of various schools, um, picks out some cool designs, some vintage looks, and puts together some t-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, for that college. And this Saturday, uh, this big noon Saturday is going to be Miami's week. So uh, Miami Hurricanes will have some cool looking shirts and designs. I've been able to have a sneak peek at the looks and it's, it's cool stuff. So I think it's 14 different designs for the Miami Hurricanes. Um, My personal favorite is Sebastian the Ibis running through the smoke on one of these shirts. I'm definitely going to be grabbing one of those. Again, this drops on noon at noon on Saturday, uh, August 7th. So if you guys are interested in that, check it out at at homefieldapparel.com. And if you want to make a purchase, um, type in the promo code inside the U. Just like on the website, that's inside the, and then the letter U, all together, no spaces, inside the U promo code. And with that, let's jump into the podcast with Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Want to welcome in 24-7 sports national college football expert Josh Pate here on the show. Um, if you guys aren't following Josh on his various platforms, what are you doing? Um, in my opinion, he's the best national college football voice out there. You can follow him on uh, Late Kick Show at the YouTube channel at 24-7 Sports, uh, the Late Kick Podcast, eight, at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. Josh, did I miss any of your other platforms you want to highlight here? No, you didn't. But, you know, David, it's funny. Like, um, you know, it, just 10 years ago, all you had to say was this guy's show comes right. on this channel at this time. And it was really easy. I try and describe what I do to my own relatives. And sometimes <laughs> I get it confused. So it's like alphabet soup. But, yeah, man, like Late Kick Lives on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Got the Late Kick podcast, wherever you get your pods. At Late Kick Josh on the socials. I try and try and get consistency and branding as much as possible, but I know it gets confusing, but I appreciate man. People have, people have allowed that brand to take off and I appreciate it. Yeah. So go follow him. He does great work, uh, does great work often. So he'll, he'll fill up your time uh, if you find him. So uh, I wanted to bring Josh on the podcast here with, you know, fall camp starting for Miami on Friday and uh, you know, me specifically, Josh, right? Like I run a Miami website. So I get stuck in the weeds a lot about worrying about things like Miami's third string linebacker depth, the third string left tackle depth, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's good and productive at times to have, you know, national guys on to kind of pull things back to big picture and and discuss Miami from that angle. So I want to just start it, I guess, open-ended you know, how do you just kind of view Miami going into this 2021 season? Uh, very poised. If you were going to use one word, I would say very poised. I don't think people realize what they saw in 2020, David. I think people remember that Clemson loss. That, I think, is the lasting image if you did the snapshot of 2020. And that wasn't, I mean, it happened, of course, but that wasn't my biggest takeaway from Miami from last year. For example, I don't think people remember they were as efficient throwing the football as they were. And the reason that's important is not always because success carries over one year to the next, but when you've got a lot of the same pieces and more continuity, because you now have a multi-year coordinator in Rhett Lashley, and you hope to have the health at quarterback that Derek King has, man, that can be a really, really solid team. And they're in a perfect position right now because a lot of that national shine and lack thereof on Miami also has to do with the shine on North Carolina. And if you were going to place a road game, if you have to go on the road and you were to place a road game anywhere on the schedule, you could not handpick a better spot for North Carolina to fall on that Miami schedule. And so the scheduling dynamics there alone are fun. But I'm very excited for it because that third year, a lot of people talk about the second year, but that's all contingent on what you inherit. I was a big believer from the day Manny got there that it was going to be year three for them when I could really start judging them. I'm not predicting them to win the ACC or anything that year, but that's the year where I circled and said, 
that 2021, of course, this was before COVID, but I said that 2021, that's when we're going to really know. And I think that's fair. I think that's totally, it's fair to give someone time. But then once you get to year three, if you're invested, like Miami fans are invested emotionally, and you give what the program asks of you, it's totally fair to expect a return on investment around this right. time in a coach's tenure. So I think nationally, maybe my viewpoint of Miami is a little detached because I'm, I think at least, higher on them than the average guy on the street is. Uh, but at the same time, man, they've got it to do. The difference is I don't think I'm placing expectation on them that is totally disproportionate to what the talent roster gives them the ability to do. I think the players are there to fulfill on that expectation. Yeah. I mean, I want to get your thoughts more on Manny going into year three. I think, you know, I think it's fair to say the first two years, you know, obviously year one didn't end well, didn't go well, but, but I think, uh, you know, I, I do think it's fair to say Manny's a guy who's learning on the job. Right. I think, I think Manny would admit that he'd never been a head coach before let alone a head coach at a program, the level of Miami and his ability to adjust and adapt year over year, make staff changes to me is the, is the most impressive thing he's shown so far at Miami. Now that he's going into year three, you hit on it. I think I, and I agree. I think it's kind of a tipping point year for Manny and also the program in general. Cause let's be real. The program hasn't been nationally relevant in 20 years, if we're being honest. Um, and so I think it's a tipping point where it's either going to be unfulfilling yet again, or they're going to win nine, 10, possibly 11 games and, and let things start rolling downhill in recruiting and, and stacking talent, et cetera, et cetera. So in, in your opinion, Josh, like what is the next step for Manny as head coach in year three, what does he need to show? So I think, I think capitalizing on 2019, is something that should be the focus. Now, how do you quantify that? How do you make that tangible? How do you put that in motion as a coach? Well, that can mean many different things. But to step back for just a second before even diving in there, you know, if you think about 2019, this is, again, I think a gap in perception and reality. Average dude on the street remembers six and seven. And that is not a good year by anyone's standards, much less Miami standards. You are not always what your record says you are in college football. You are absolutely not. In pro football, you just are. That's the name of the game. In college football, like I would ask this, David, would a Miami fan rather have gone seven and five with five blowout losses, or would you rather have gone six and seven? But I'm looking at the schedule right now, and every one of these games are one possession losses, aside from, what, the very last one against Duke, and that's a 10-point loss. That means you're not far away, man. This is a Bob game. It's a bounce-of-ball game. It's a couple of inches game. And that was the first year there. I remember being at that Florida game, total turnover fest. And so it's just, there was no real skill in identifying the one thing. What it is, is, is micro inches here and there in the program. I thought for a six and seven year, I thought it was very encouraging because none of them were blowout losses. And so then you start to move forward. And then you enter these murky waters in 2020, the same way we do with LSU, the same way we do with Penn State. No one really knows what to make of the 2020 result because no one knows how disproportionate one program versus another was affected by COVID. Having said that, I think they did a lot of good things last year, too. You certainly would have loved to have a better showing. Like, I think if you're Manny Diaz, I guarantee you one of the things that they focused on, just like the fan base has over the course of the spring and summer is remembering that Clemson game 
and remembering you had an opportunity, even if you don't pull the upset, if you go up there and it's 36-31 or you put up a fight like Notre Dame did against that Clemson team, different quarterback, but that Clemson team, then, I mean, you, you know you have taken a step as a program. But when those receivers couldn't get off the line of scrimmage effectively, I mean, that just it, it's a microcosm of understanding physically there's still a gap that we have to close. Now, that wasn't a mystery. It's not like people didn't know that before. But that's what I would focus on. Because if you focus on nothing more than upping the level of physicality, which every program claims they take seriously, but some of them right. do obviously more than others, that's what would stand out immediately. Like when Miami takes the field against Alabama, that's the Correct. next shot they have. Not only is it just the next game up, but that's where you really get the opportunity to compare. Here's what we looked at against one of the big boys. Here's what we're looking at now that we played another one of the big boys. Did we get pushed around? Like, did we have guys getting put on skates out here? Or, I mean, did we make them taste a little of their own blood? If they beat us, they beat us. But did we figure out some things about ourselves? Because then from the national perspective, they're going to go off the radar. I mean, Miami fans are going to watch App State, Michigan State, Central Connecticut, the Virginia right. game. Like, that matters to a Canes fan. But from a national perspective, folks will see Miami. If they upset Alabama, that's a whole different story. But if they were to lose to Bama, they're going to go off the national radar, which won't be the worst thing in the world because it doesn't mean anything within the realm of the conference standings. And then you get that shot against North Carolina. So my point is, if they do nothing more than up the level of physicality, and that coincides with what I absolutely think is reasonable to expect, and that's more cohesion and synergy offensively this year, which ties in to help the quarterback. But if you have that, what is there that leads to a whole lot of trepidation about this team? If we were to knock those two dominoes right. down, there's not a whole lot of other trepidation that I would have about them being not only a solid top 25 team, man. Like if you check those two boxes, that, that's a fringe top 10 team. Right. I agree. And, and to build on your point in terms of like opening against an SEC power, right? I remember back in 2018 when Miami, I believe they entered that season as a top 10 team. They were coming off a, a solid 2017 showing and they, they opened the 2018 season against LSU. And, you know, Miami returned most of their starters in 2018. I felt pretty good about that team. And then warm-up started. And I looked at LSU's line of scrimmage players and I was like, "Ooh, okay. Um, this is going to be interesting. And LSU controlled the line of scrimmage and won the game fairly comfortably 33, 17. Uh, if it weren't for some garbage points, Miami put up in the fourth quarter, but I guess just transitioning to the Alabama game, you, you kind of touched on it. Right. But like from a Miami perspective is, should the goal be, I mean, obviously the goal and hope is, is from a Miami perspective to win the game. But if we're being realistic, should Miami fans feel good about if, if Miami beats the spread? Um, obviously the goal should be to be competitive. Miami should, they can take something out of that, you know, game as long as they're competitive. Correct. Well, absolutely. Um, now I know that it sounds, it sounds like a very soft mentality to talk this way and we're not doing that, but right. I think I remember vividly what you're talking about with that LSU game. I think, was that in Dallas? Correct. Yeah. Jerry. Yeah. yeah. So yes, absolutely. And they were favored in the game. I mean, Miami goes yeah. in as a short favorite. So, so yes, you're right. And we've stood on the field before and seen those warm up situations and you realize, I don't care what a point spread says. I know what my eyeballs are looking at right, right. now. And this I mean, you know, football's a crazy game, but, but I think I got a pretty good idea of how this is going to go. So imagine this. 
imagine you are midway through the second quarter in this week one game against Alabama, and you've already harassed Bryce Young a couple of times. I mean, Bama's breaking in three new offensive linemen in their own right. I know what the helmet is. I know what that crimson jersey means. But I also know that these are human beings playing football, too. And so imagine you've already flushed him from the pocket. Maybe you've gotten a couple of hits on him. You know, you're playing an indoor, but maybe you figuratively get his uniform dirtied a little bit. Imagine what that does to a Miami fan or especially a player. Imagine what that sideline's like when all of a sudden, like you've gotten through the initial wave and it's three to nothing or it's 10 to three, but you realize, oh, snap, we're playing with them. I mean, we're not we're not getting pushed off the ball. We're not getting blown off the ball. This is not 2017 or 18 or whenever that game was. Imagine just that feeling alone. Okay, so then you've already learned a critical thing about that team. And that is, what, 18 or 19 minutes of football into the season. The rest of the game plays out the way it plays out. You can give me 10 different scenarios. But I think just taking those little microcosms of games and bottling them up for the rest of the year, whether you win by 10 or you lose by 20 or whatever the final score is, we've all seen games before where an outcome does not go a team's way, but yet you can trace it back. Instead of an entire whitewashing, you trace it back and say, you know, This score indicates one thing, but it's really like two or three plays. This is not indicative of how mismatched these two teams were. If I walk away as a Miami fan from that game and I can just say we matched up pretty favorably with Alabama, regardless what the scoreboard says, we matched up well with them. That makes me feel very, very confident going into the season because I know one thing, David, like there are a few certainties in this world. But I know if I look up and down that schedule, I don't have another Alabama anywhere on there. And I know if I feel good about the performance I put out on the field with them, I feel good about my ability to win any of the remaining games we have. Right. And on the flip side, you know, if Miami lays an egg against Alabama, it's just not competitive. Then you start worrying about the snowball effect. They play a, you know, I would say a tricky power five team in app state the next week. So it'll be interesting to follow from that perspective. And and to build on your point, you know, I think last year Miami showed, they took a step forward. And again, this is soft, right? Like diehard Canes don't want to think about it this way, but last year, Miami won the games they were supposed to win. And that was a big step forward from the 2019 season, right? Um, You mentioned they lost those close games in 2020. They won the close games. That was a step forward to me. Kind of the next step as a program is winning one, one of those games that they're not supposed to win. And, and I'm not calling a, 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 upset victory against Alabama or anything. Uh, But really that's been something that's kind of plagued the program for a while now. I think, you know, the last time they did it was 2017 against Notre Dame at home. Um, But beyond that, they haven't really won those type of games. They're not supposed to win over the last decade. So to me, that's kind of the next step for Manny Diaz. I want to transition. You, You touched on North Carolina. How do you view, and it's way early, I get it, but like, how do you view those, you know, Miami and North Carolina kind of matching up right now as things stand. Well, I'll tell you what I'm most interested in. I'm interested for North Carolina in the thing that I think the nation is going to take for granted, and that's their offense. I mean, people remember how porous they were at times defensively last year, and that's not an illusion or a mirage. That did happen. But I feel okay about a lot of the talent they brought in. Now, it's going to be young. They're going to have to start some young guys, especially on the defensive line. But they're guys that I mean, they're legitimate players. I mean, guys like Javari Ritzy, for example. I remember when they signed him, Wolfong said, 
look at this guy. He looks like an Alabama defensive lineman. And yeah. that's the kind of player they bring in. Okay, so, so North Carolina's got some growing pain still to go on defense. But I'll tell you where the focal point is for me. And that's with Ty Chandler, who's the Tennessee transfer that they bring in at running back. Yeah. Man, they, they don't just have these conveyor belts. Some of the national powers do. But the University of North Carolina is not to the point yet where they just have this conveyor belt where they can lose a couple thousand yard rushers, snap their fingers, and because they're just video game good at offense, it'll replenish itself. You don't have to worry about it. No, early on, they could have some issues there. You return a quarterback, and that's all most people care about, but man, he's got to have the pieces around him. And so I'm looking at him, Ty Chandler, I think he's one of the biggest, what I call hinge players, not only for them, but in college football this year, because that's yeah. thought to be a contending team. And if you if you tell me nothing more than running back, Ty Chandler, it's not going to work out for them this year. They cannot fulfill their potential. So he has got a an inordinate burden on his shoulders. And then you look at the receiver talent they have to replace, too. What I'm saying there is last year when you watch North Carolina, even if they were going to lose a game, you assumed the other team was going to have to put up 35 plus to beat them. They could be in some 2017 dogfights this year. It's not out of the realm of possibility yeah. at all. And so if you think to yourself, and I, I don't believe most people are going to realize this until it comes game week, but when you consider they will be playing their seventh game in seven weeks and Miami's going to be nine days rested going into that game, right? that is it's such an opportune moment because you were talking about the game that Miami wins that they're not supposed to win nationally. People will not circle them and say, all right, Miami's winning this one. That, that will not be how they look at it. Agreed. And so that's your chance. That's your opportunity. And if you do that, then you're off to the races because not only if you've taken care of business elsewhere, do you have a game and a half lead in the division, really? You also pop on the national radar. And all of a sudden, not only is that important, you know, if you're trying to make a backdoor playoff run, yeah, that'd be beyond wonderful. But what has everyone been talking about this offseason? They've been talking about – how NIL is being harnessed in recruiting, and they're talking about how the noise has been made in Tallahassee this spring and summer, and it has. I'm not taking anything away from him, absolutely not. But Manny Diaz stepped to the podium or wherever he was talking a couple of weeks ago and said, we're not concerned with where we are. We'll make a move. Okay, some Canes fans bought that. Others didn't. There's some trepidation. Imagine what a fast start to the season and a win on the road and then being able to come home and, and host some of those recruiting weekends with Miami in the top 10 in the country would do for right. recruiting. That solves a lot of recruiting issues really, really quickly. Yeah, and just talking to recruits, Miami had a pool party this past weekend and talking to some of their top targets, they were quite frank with saying, yeah, I just want to see how they look this year. You know, right. I, And against Alabama, they're like, look, I know they're an underdog. I just want to see them compete with Alabama. So you're right. I mean, Miami needs to prove it and then it'll roll downhill in recruiting. I asked the, um, I asked the message board at inside the U, you know, let them know that you're jumping on the pod with me and, you know, wanted to give them an opportunity to ask some questions. And one poster asked an interesting question, I think from an ACC perspective in terms of, in your opinion, which team in the ACC is best uh, positioned for sustained success outside of Clemson. And he gave the options of, you know, Miami or North Carolina. Maybe you want to go someone else. I don't know, Florida State or, or whoever. But I guess if you were choosing between Miami or North Carolina, who would you pick? Or, and I guess would it be determined by the outcome of that game? Or, or who do you think? 
It'll be determined by the season, and obviously the outcome of that game will have will go a long way in that answer. So right now, I'd put North Carolina ahead of Miami if you made me bet money on this. The reason I would do that is because I have watched that coaching staff really sink their teeth into in-state recruiting up there this past cycle, and there's a very, very clear vision of where they're headed, and they knew last year. They were behind the scenes very honest and, and brutally honest with their assessment of their own team. They had self-scouted. They knew, I mean, some Saturdays we will look like we are not going to be able to stop molasses in December. We don't have the horses defensively. Well, then they started going out and getting them. And so I've looked at what they have already, and that is answer and answers at quarterback this year and in years to come, bringing Drake May in. And, David, if you can answer that question, a lot of the other recruiting dominoes, they just magically start to fall into place. Like Clemson was a very – solid program when Taj Boyd and then to a much larger degree Deshaun Watson came in there you notice how Clemson didn't really have to worry about recruiting anymore all of a sudden just everything fell into place and not only do you get the quarterbacks but then the receivers want to come there and then uh, believe it or not a safety prospect wants to come there and so North Carolina has that and they're starting to reap the benefits having said that Manny Diaz executed a very very bold strategy last year that you already touched on a few minutes ago Not only did he make the move to bring Rhett Lashley in, he also made the move to bring Derek King in. So there are multiple ways you can go about this. Obviously, in the transfer portal area, you don't have to be bringing a kid along and start recruiting him in ninth grade and go through the five- or six-year process before we see him start a game in Coral Gables. Like That's not the way that has to happen. But what he did was he rolled the dice and took a chance on putting a premier talent at the quarterback position on the field for Miami – for the nation to see a premier quarterback sporting that U helmet. And if we get that this year, for example, that's what could change the dynamic in that. Cause it's not like there's a wide gap in my answer here. What could turn the tide is of course beating North Carolina. But if you look at an offense this year that takes another step forward, then all of a sudden you can't negative recruit against them. You can't call it a kind of one year wonder. You can't say, Oh, that was just one. Like you can't do that anymore. And so then you start to get more South Florida kids staying home. And the other thing that they have is a massive edge, I think, is just the, the transfer portal area in general greatly benefits a team like Miami. I don't think there's a team in the Power Five levels yeah. better positioned geographically to benefit from that. And so, listen, you could talk me off North Carolina. It's a 52-48 sort of edge for sure. me right now. But, yeah, so, so I would say probably in retrospect this season will go a long way in whether that turns or not. And before we get to some more questions from the board, I just want to get your take. I mean, you, you do follow gambling quite closely during the season. You, you offer some great picks on the ramen noodle express. Uh, but, but I want to ask you just over under win totals, right? And, and Miami's line, I think, I think is set perfectly at nine and a half wins. I'm just curious, which, which side of that would you fall on? Cause I go back and forth on that daily hourly uh so curious what would you pick over or under nine and a half wins for miami this year do you have so so you say you're on the fence where where, which side of the fence are you on at the moment i think if i was actually putting money on it i would probably go nine i oh boy man those guys in the desert are pretty good at setting these numbers aren't they so if we, I was trying to pull up their schedule here. So if we look, what I like to do is I like to put a toughness rating on each game. When I do the Miami grand season preview on the show, for example, I'll have their schedule and I rank every game toughness rating one to 10. 
And it depends on where you play someone, where it falls yeah. in the schedule. I'll say this. I think that clump, that week two and week three game, that, that, that App State and Michigan State, I think that, that – and you can, let's just throw Virginia in. So there are three games in yeah. four weeks there. That is a group of games. That is a pot of games that pretty much every Miami fan is going to pencil in as 3-0. and from, a, from an odds-making perspective – what you would do is you would pencil in a, a two and a quarter wins and, and three quarter losses type deal. Right. It just cause you're running it per thousand simulations. That stretch right there is probably going to tell the tale because you get to regroup with that bye week and you get to be hopefully shot out of a cannon going into the second half of that season. But then the rest of the way, there is not a back-to-back road stretch at all. Right. Once right. you get out of the bye week and um, at least they're not making this the whole way season. Honestly. Yeah. So at least they're not making us go up north to pit in like uh, late November. Instead, it's late October. I will lean. I'll tell you right now. I'll be a little bold on this. I'll go over nine and a half wins. I'll put them at ten wins. Let's go. I think the expectation should be ten wins. It's just I got to see it first, I guess. Um, but yes, I think it's fair to expect a ten win season. Um, and yeah, I guess back to the questions from the board, and then we'll we'll just let you get out of here with this one question, because most of the questions had to do with realignment, right? And just, I guess your take on what it would mean, what it means from a Miami perspective, what it means from an ACC perspective, just what do you think, you know, I guess the ACC slash and or Miami should do with, with this whole realignment stuff going on right now? I've spent the whole morning, as you and I record, it's around lunchtime. I've spent the whole morning talking with multiple people about this. What I think is there is a little bit of a difference in the perception versus reality out there. As it stands right now, understanding things can change tomorrow. So right now, David, the perception seems to be massive conference realignment is inevitable. Keep in mind, all we've had is two teams move. But it just feels like it's an inevitability that another dozen are going to move and a conference is going to dissolve here and a merger is going to happen there. I don't think that's coming nearly to the degree that it is feared. And I'm, I'm chief among those who are scared because I don't like this. So yeah. some of my fears have been a little bit quelled talking to people who would know more than I would about it. What I think you should do is understand if you're the ACC, are you in the position the SEC is? Absolutely not. But are you in a stable position? Yes, you are. I don't think Florida State's going anywhere. I don't think Clemson's going anywhere. I think the reality there is a lot different than random headlines you may have seen. And so if you're Miami, understand that this is not the position that TCU or Kansas State are in. That's dire straits. You may have to pack up and look out for yourself at that point. But Miami's in a stable position right now. What you have to do from a conference level or from a university level is control what you can control. Like if you want the level of play, if you want the attractiveness for a new round of TV deals whenever it happens, if you want all that to be in play, if you want an infusion of cash into your university and into your conference, the way to do it for Miami is not going to be realigning themselves with another conference or you know, short of Notre Dame hopping into the ACC. It's probably not going to be a massive expansion on the part of the ACC. What you got to do is make playoffs. That's what you right. have to do. You have to win games and make playoffs. That's the only thing that really buoys the ACC well above and beyond what it is now is if those teams outside of just Clemson, if those teams start making playoff games and they start cashing those playoff checks, and then you also work in the new, whatever the new playoff TV deal is going to be and whatever cut the ACC gets, 
the key here is, has, and always will be Florida State and Miami carrying the conference to the degree they should carry the conference. This should never fall on Clemson. It should always right. be Miami and Florida State. And then if Clemson wants to be good, that's cool. If Virginia Tech wants to hop in, that's cool. But it's the same way with recruiting. If you want to balance out the country, I've talked about it a million times. You get those big three in Florida dominating in recruiting, all of a sudden you shave off 5% of the roster in Columbus, Ohio, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I mean, imagine what that does for that parity, that, that elusive parity that everyone looks for. So if I were Miami to circle back to the actual question you asked, I would not be overly concerned about this. I would take care of what I can control, knowing if you do it, as is usually the case in life, David, if you just take care of what you can control, other stuff just tends to work itself out. Yeah, I totally agree, honest. Like from a Miami perspective, just win. And, you know, if you become super attractive and even opportunities, whatever they might be, arise from just winning and improving your brand, those, those can come too. So I agree with your take. Um, again, Josh, appreciate you joining the podcast. Uh, everyone listening now should be following him on Twitter, on YouTube. Subscribe to his podcast. Give the man your attention. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it, David. Appreciate you guys listening. All right. Some really good stuff there, I thought, from Josh. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Again, want to highlight the uh, the deal we have going on with Homefield Apparel brand. On Saturday, you can get 15% off a purchase of a vintage Miami Hurricanes um, shirt, sweatshirt, tank top. These are, these are good looking. This is some good looking stuff. You can wear it. You can wear this stuff to the beach. You can wear it to brunch. You can wear it to the barbecue. You can wear it to your family reunion. If you rock these shirts at the tailgate, you'll have the best looking shirt there, no doubt. So highly recommend you guys checking out homefieldapparel.com on Saturday at noon when this collection goes live. Again, if you want 15% off, uh, type in that promo code inside the U. No spaces, inside the, and then the letter U. Till next time, take care, guys. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.